It's the Americhicks with Kim Munson, the most important story. Out here in Colorado, we had a sex education bill that was passed. It was signed by the governor and put into law. I just can't believe what is happening to uh, public education. The latest in politics and world affairs. We are now using policy that if you don't affirm something, that they use policy then to take away your businesses. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Kids are just being bombarded with darkness. It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. You know, we need to get back to letting our kids be kids. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. Woo-hoo! Indeed, let's have a conversation. This is Kim Munson with the Americhicks here, and we have a really important show planned for you today. Uh, in the second segment, we will be talking with Joshua Sharp. He has an excellent piece in page two of Complete Colorado regarding the volatility of para. And uh, so uh, go, go check that out at Complete Colorado. And again, just, you know, just click on that banner at the top, and that'll take you to all the original content. And then in segments three and four, a concerned citizen, Glenn Slaybaugh reached out to me regarding uh, the kind of the redefinition or redistribution of uh, 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 d- distributed uh, square footage in property. And it, it may sound like something that's really small and minute, but that's something that really is of great concern. So you won't want to miss that because ultimately it can increase your property taxes if, in fact, uh, your county assessor happens to be uh, re defining the distribution of your property. So those are going to be really important conversations. As we jump into this this show, though, uh, I always want to talk about socialism is force. Uh, Our kids are being uh, romanticized regarding socialism. They think it's social. But ultimately, socialism always comes down to force. And it's never compassionate to take other people's rights, their property, their freedom, whether it's with a weapon, policy, or unpredictable and excessive taxation. And we continue to see... This movement of government control and bureaucrats controlling and interested parties controlling transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. And so that's why we are talking about these important issues so that we get our brains around these issues so that you can converse with friends, family, and colleagues. The kids are home from college right now. They're home from school, and you need to be having conversations with everyone. Uh, Wanted to say always thank you to producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, and Charlie for your support and your good work and thank you for each of you listeners each of you you're treasured you're valued and you have a purpose in life Uh, but uh, before we get into the conversation i want to have a conversation with steve we were we were wanting to make sure that we're not coming across as as anti uh, a variety of things but just really kind of explain that before we do that though I was looking for uh, something that was inspirational. And Jimmy Dean, uh, if you're older, you'll remember him. He's a country and Western singer and star. He also had a bunch of different sausage companies. (laughs) But he said, I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust my sails to always reach my destination. Again, I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can always adjust my sails to reach my destination. I think that's a good one, Steve. Makes me wonder if Jimmy was in the Navy or something. You know, he might have been. I don't know why I'm thinking that, but he might have been. And it's summertime, and I loved this little bit of humor. Teacher, Johnny, please use the words letter carrier in a sentence. 
Johnny says, yes, ma'am. My dad said that after seeing how many things my mom was bringing on vacation, he would rather let her carry her own luggage. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Let's jump into this conversation, though. Um, Steve, you mentioned to me that we wanted to make sure that we didn't come uh, come across as anti-clean air, anti-this, anti-that. And uh, so let's just talk a little bit about that. What's your thoughts? What is the uh, the entity that we talk about often, the freedom to drive? Yes. Well, obviously leads us to all the the stuff as the the stuff that's come down recently with uh, LEVs and the ZEVs, so ZEVs. the low emission vehicles and the zero emission vehicles. Right, and then uh, like uh, recently, there's we've been covering a story about Excel and the fun games that they're up to in terms of maybe shutting down the the very clean. Uh, innovative coal-fired plants down in Pueblo. And profiting from both the old and the new type. Of, is that the, mm-hmm. the gist of that? Mm-hmm. Well, in when we talk about things like this, we, we might come across as being anti-clean air, which nobody's anti-clean air, but you know. We all want clean air to breathe. Yeah. And, but we also, we also want to have warm, uh, sorry to jump in here, but we also want warm houses in the winter and uh, cool houses in the summer. Yeah. All of the above. And the point is, right, you know, when we finish a show like that, I kind of walk away thinking, it's like, well, do we sound like we're anti some of these things in the technological arena? And we're not. We are, uh, what we are concerned about is maybe government pushing these technologies quicker or pushing them too hard, pushing them too quickly to the point of where they're really practical. And they're not necessarily working against us somehow, only because they're buying votes with the with the crowd who is just so caught up in this kind of stuff. And nobody really does, takes the time to assess what is the real impact to the taxpayer. Well, you know, and with I- anything, Steve, there are uh, trade-offs. And uh, so we no longer... Uh, you know, live, you know, I mean, there's more people. So, you know, there's some more people in Colorado than there used to be. And so when there's more people, it changes things a bit. But these people that that seem to want to take us to a point where it was when the buffalo were uh, doing the great migrations out on the, you know, the eastern plains. And, uh, you know, the temperature was a certain temperature. I don't know what year was the perfect temperature, but they want to get us to that. You know, there are certainly trade-offs as we work to help individuals thrive and prosper and be the best that they can be. And I submit to you that affordable, efficient, and reliable energy is one of the things that makes that happen. And uh, the freedom to drive, the freedom of mobility, the freedom to be able to go where you want to, when you want to, in your personal vehicle, which is also safer when you're in your personal vehicle. Uh, And we're seeing government policy that they're trying to push us uh, out of these things that, that help us thrive and prosper into technologies that, as you say, are not ready. They're more expensive. And there's also, I think, a, a false narrative. They, we haven't done any research on how we're going to get rid of those batteries uh, of these uh, LEVs and the ZEVs. So there's this implication that, quote, unquote, they're cleaner. In essence, 
uh, it's going to make energy more expensive, electricity more expensive for all of us because there's going to be more demand. So that, you know, is going to be less money in our pocket. But we've not even talked about that there has to be rare earth minerals that are mined for uh, these electric cars or for the wind turbines. And a lot of that comes out of third world countries. So what does that do to them? And then, again, what are we going to do with those batteries? Third world countries, child labor, yada, yada. I mean, there's just a multitude of things that are out there that have yet to be really or issues, problems that have really been solved. And yet we've got local politicians. We've got, uh, you know, politicians on the national level that are pushing us. And, you know, technology has always been on the march, you know, from the Industrial Revolution on to the current uh what, you know, we say the industrial revolution is over now. We're in the what do they call the age we're in now? Mm-hmm. Information age, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it, the steam engine was wonderful, a, a great invention. But if we would have stopped there, we'd still be running steam engines all over the country. We're not because technology went to the next step at the right time with the technology that was proven. If government was involved in that, we probably still would be uh, using the steam engine, but it was because of the creativity and innovation of many people. You know, Henry Ford, uh, he, he figured out a way to do an assembly line so that he could provide a vehicle that everyday people could, uh, could afford. And what that did for people's mobility and their ability to thrive and uh, prosper has been astounding. Well, again, we're going to summarize this. I Again, I, I get this sense sometimes that we, at the end of a show, we, we've covered something and we covered it well. But I'm always kind of mindful of, well, other people out there who think that these, these people are anti, you know. And we're not. We, no. And it is important that we be good stewards of our earth. That's for sure. And I think that you and I are both dedicated to that. But we're also dedicated to the opportunity for humans to thrive and prosper and uh, go after their hopes and dreams. I just wanted to make another note, though. You know, did you see this? This was uh, just a few weeks ago where New York had a big blackout. So people were trapped in subways. Traffic was at a standstill. There was no air conditioning at the Port Authority. And uh, this is Jimmy Fallon, and he says, and then the blackout hit. (laughs) But, you know, so here we have politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties uh, that are wanting to push us more and more towards electricity. And uh, and then here we had a situation where it was not reliable. And so your energy companies, their responsibility is to make sure that we have energy to turn the lights on. And instead, they're out doing all this public policy stuff. And the fact that Excel is going to be able to double dip while they are shutting down those clean-fired coal plants down in Pueblo, uh, but the ratepayers still have to pay for that, but then the ratepayers are also paying for the wind and solar that they're bringing on. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's just kind of amazing that we are letting that happen, Steve. Well, we, we probably don't have the time here, but again, we, what does Stephen Kessler ask? Did you, did you, you felt good? You felt good, but did you do good? And we, we think of you know, Michael Bloomberg and his efforts right now, pouring his own money, money into prematurely shutting down coal plants. Again, we're not 
in love with coal plants. When the right time comes, we'll shut them down. Yeah, but, but we're using government force and government subsidies to do it. So we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So thanks for that clarification. We're going to have some important conversations with Joshua Scharf and also with Glenn Slaybaugh. Before we do that, Hooters is the spot to be this summer. Enjoy Hooters beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious snow crab legs, and mouth-watering buffalo shrimp. And Hooters has plenty of ice-cold beer options to help you cool down this summer. And I love this. They have nine items for 9 bucks, 11 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. You can choose from nine delicious menu items, such as fish and shrimp tacos, salads, cheeseburger, Philly cheesesteaks, and, of course, their boneless wings. And uh, so you can get in and dine dine in for those. Uh, You can uh, pick things up, take them home, or you can have them delivered right to your front door. For more information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com, and let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. Hey, and before, tonight is your normal meeting with the ladies, and you have Hooters delivered, right? Yes. Are you going to get some this time? I'm going to make sure I get some. So, uh, indeed, I'll let you know how they taste, because the girls say they're great. We'll be right back. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland for sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. In Denver and Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Denver and YourTownTaxpayers.com for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And one of those things out there that uh, we're having conversations about is PARA. That's the Public Employees Retirement Association right here in Colorado. And someone who is an expert on that is Joshua Scharf. And Joshua, welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Thank you so much for having me. Well, absolutely. And Complete Colorado, uh, they are the place to go for your news source. They aggregate uh, um, from all over the news sources from all over the state, and uh, they link to that so that you can find out what is happening to Colorado, find out what matters to you. But the other thing, if you click on the banner at the top of the page, they have original content, original commentary, and a guy that really knows... Uh, para is Joshua Scharf, and you had an excellent piece uh, on July 16th in Complete Colorado, page two, and you talk about para's volatility and why that matters. So set that up for us, Joshua. So basically what I'm talking about is the returns on para and how they bounce around from year to year. You know, we had, uh, as, as we've talked about before, uh, last year, para's returns were minus 3.5% on its portfolio. And the year before, they were, I think, somewhere like 18% on its portfolio. So they, they bounce around quite a bit. So and they were up 18 not, one year and down 3.5 another year. Is that what it was? 
Yes, that's right. Okay. And and so there, there are there are costs to this. I mean, what Para is doing, obviously, we know that that Para is underfunded. That overall, they only have about sixty cents in the bank for every dollar's worth of promises that that have been made. And so, what one of the uh, the, the ongoing sagas has been since about you know the turn of the century, since about two thousand, uh, has been to to try to get Para back to being better funded. Um, excuse me, they took a hit uh, in the first recession right right around uh, 2001. They took uh, a big hit right after the, the, the Great Recession, 2008-2009. And then they've also sort of continued since then to be, to be increasingly underfunded. And so this has been an ongoing problem. How do you get them back to being funded? And so what, what they'll do is they'll project out where they're going to be at some point in the future. They project out, you know, how long it will take to get back to full funding. And to do that, they use an expected rate of return. In this case, it's seven and a quarter percent. We'll, we'll leave that alone for where that is. And let's assume for the moment that that's a reasonable number. Well, you can get to seven and a quarter percent average returns a lot of different ways. And if you're bouncing around a lot, then then you, you end up basically increasing the possibility that you'll do really, really well. But, you know, that's nice, but it's not really it's not really necessary. Uh, the risk is on the downside. Again, you will increase the possibility that you will do really, really poorly and just you know early on and never be able to catch up. And so you can you have a lot of roots to an average seven and a quarter percent return. But if you end up choosing the wrong route, you can end up going you can end up going bankrupt, even though you get that average rate of return that you want. So the greater the volatility, the greater chance that happens. Now, you know, Joshua, just a question. I was thinking there's some legislation or there's something somewhere that says that ultimately the taxpayers are on the hook for Paris, um, the promises they've made. Is that true? Yeah, I mean it, it. It is true. There's a to 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 at least some some extent. Uh, there are some things that that they could probably wiggle out of, like for instance, cost of living increases and that kind of thing. But you know, ultimately, it really does come down to the state being being liable for this. It comes down to the taxpayers being liable for this, unless there are there is legislation that um, uh, you know requires uh, you know greater greater employee contributions, like we had in SB 200, or uh, or, or or limiting the cost of living adjustments, but ultimately, really, it's the it's the state's responsibility to pay up, which means it's the taxpayer's responsibility to pay up in one form or another. So, Para is assuming this rate of return. You said it's seven and a quarter percent, and if you average out up eighteen and a half percent the year before, down three and a half. Well, certainly there's they're um, you know hanging in there probably at about what they they and well I guess that would be what fourteen percent so so I guess if you look at it that way it's higher but the volatility uh, what's interesting in the piece that you've written is that over the long term volatility can come back to bite you. Well, it, it not only it not only makes failure more likely, it also costs you returns. I mean, you know, you, that's why that's why para reports and why you use what's called the geometric rate of return or the compound rate of return. And the easy way to to understand the difference between the two is to think if you if you don't don't worry about percentages because the numbers are so small, you end up not not really grasping it. But let's say you want to average multiplying something by five over two years. So you can do that any number of ways, but if you say five times five, okay, that's 25. And that's the best you're going to do by averaging at five. If you have 
say, you know, one times nine, which is also, you know, which is also an average of five, and you multiply those numbers together, you only get nine, right? So, so the point is that, that that's a very broad spread, one versus nine, as opposed to five versus five. So the, the, what you do is you, re, you report to what's called the geometric rate of return, which is you multiply all the returns together, and then you, and then you see what the, what the cumulative rate of return is, rather than adding them all up and, and dividing by the number of years. So, so when you do that, if you have, as you have since, uh, Para has since uh, 2000, their their sort of arithmetic average rate of return has been about six point two six point six six and a quarter percent, uh, but their geometric rate of return has been about five point eight five percent or so. So this actually this costs you money uh, having this stuff bounce around. It makes it a lot harder for you to to to, to meet your targets. But that's uh, the five whatever you, that you just said. That's a far cry from <laughs> the seven and a quarter that they're assuming is their rate of return. Yeah, it is, and and in fact, what ends up what ends up happening is it's twofold. Uh, Pew the uh, Pew Trust did a study and said that that according to their estimates, uh, they felt that what would be reasonable given Paris basket of uh, you know, basket of how they how they have their al- assets allocated over the over the, the out years, maybe the next thirty or twenty years, would be um, not six point four percent. Warren Buffett, who we all know, you know, and they, his company self funds its own pension. Uh, he average he thinks it's it's around six percent is what he uses. So what ends up happening is by uh, uh, using this aggressive rate of return of seven and a quarter percent, then even if you're you're able to meet that, you're basically also dialing in a lot more risk because, as we all know, on average, if there's more reward, there's going to be more risk, and 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 a good proxy for risk is volatility. Wow. And Joshua, though, another thing is, is I think that Para gives to these young teachers and you know these people that are working within the Para system. You know, an idea of what they can expect when they retire, and it it looks attractive. But we've got something that we've we we're going to have to sit down and have a really honest conversation about this, because if the taxpayer is in in fact, as we have noted, that they are in fact uh, on the hook for these promises that are being made, and a lot of the pe- taxpayers. Uh, a lot of small business people do not have a cushy retirement plan. They're just trying to make their, you know, keep, take care of their families and keep their businesses going. And so we're setting ourselves up for a, a kind of a really difficult situation here in Colorado if we don't get this thing straightened around. And, and it looks to me like from the volatility standpoint, from your excellent piece in Complete Colorado, that Para is taking more risk. And over the long term, it, it does affect returns. Well, and and the good news is here is that the Para Board is aware of the problem. They're going to end up voting. They, they've got a, a a consultant that they brought in to 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 look at this problem, see if there isn't a way that they can tamp down some of the volatility while not compromising on returns. Uh, it's possible that they've just been unlucky, and even in eighteen, you know, in, in this day and age, uh, with the amount of data that we have, you know, even an eighteen-year time horizon is not necessarily that long. So it could be that they've just been unlucky and that, that, that they've been you know, un- unluckily volatile. Uh, but they want to take a look at that and make sure that, that, that they're doing the best they can to keep these returns as predictable as possible. And so they're going to end up devoting their September board meeting to, 
to this problem. Well, that's uh, that, that's encouraging. Yes. My own feeling is that uh, they are nevertheless still kidding themselves about the uh, about the expected rate of return. And that's probably too aggressive. And what it's doing is it, it is, as I say, leading them to uh, accept more risk than they than they really should. Uh, it's um, uh, and and it doesn't mean they're bad investors. I'm not I'm not suggesting they are poor portfolio managers or bad investors. I'm suggesting that the portfolio managers have been given a a a job that it may be very difficult for them to do. Oh, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, Joshua Sharf, this excellent piece uh, in the Complete Colorado. It's on the page two. What is the final thought that you would like to leave with our listeners today? Uh, just that, uh, you know, this, this money has to do double duty. It has to both pay the difference between contributions and, and, uh, and, 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 and benefits every year, and it also has to, the interest earned on this also has to try to catch up to make us better funded over time. And when, when returns bounce around like that, it just makes the whole thing a lot more uncertain. Okay, well, Joshua Sharf, thank you so much. And again, this piece is in the Complete Colorado. It's on page two. Just click on that banner at the very top. And the piece is Paris Volatility Matters. Uh, Joshua Sharf, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Hey, before we go to break, we're talking with John Buckingham with Presidential Wealth Management. We've been talking about the volatility of, of para. But, John, we've also been talking with you about interest rates, and they've been pretty volatile lately. They really have. Um, about four or five months ago, we were at about a 3.4% uh, on the 30-year Treasury bond. Right now, that was at about 2.55 as of yesterday. Uh, so, with that, it doesn't sound like much of a drop at you know being 0.8%, but that's actually about a 20, 25% drop. That's a rates. lot, yeah. And it is. And normally, we don't see that kind of volatility in interest rates, even in periods like the Great Recession in 2008 and nine. You don't normally see that. So, we're seeing a lot of concern by that kind of a drop from the Fed, and that's also, you know, as we discussed, part of what they're looking at at potentially dropping the rate to reverse the inversion in the yield curve. Um, but yeah, that volatility can really hurt your portfolios if you're in the wrong type of bonds, or so even your conservative investments can be at risk to that kind of volatility if that kind of an environment happens. Well, and typically people look at treasuries as one of the most conservative investments that they can make. But when you're seeing that kind of volatility, that's why it's really important what you and and the folks over at Presidential Wealth Management do, because uh, I I liked it the other day. You guys aren't cookie cutter. You know, you plug this number in here and this number here, and here's your financial plan. You guys sit down and and work with people, assess their, you know, their kind of their personalities, their investment personalities, and then work with them to help their own personal economy thrive and prosper. Right. So we want to make sure that you know your portfolio one is as stable as possible from the principal standpoint. We want to make sure that those that are in or near retirement have the income streams they need. It's just a question of where do you get that from, and you just have to find the sector of the market, just like when you're investing in the stock market, where is the income going to come from that doesn't have the least or has the least volatility possible. Right. And so when interest rates are volatile like this, it's really great to have professionals like you, John Buckingham, and uh, and everyone at Presidential Wealth Management. So thank you so much. For more information, people can go to chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. And uh, you guys do specialize in helping people with their economic well-being so they can thrive and prosper. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Sounds good. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? 
How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at Americhicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the Americhicks radio show. Contact us at americhicks.com or email Kim at americhicks.com. Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. I am thrilled to have in studio with me a concerned citizen, Glenn Slaybaugh. How are you doing, Glenn? Pretty good. How are you, Kim? I'm doing just fine. And uh, I've always thought about uh, eyes on the process. My time on city council, I realized that it's important that everyday concerned citizens be watching what's going on in government. And Glenn, uh, you certainly are bringing something to the forefront here that I think is important because we see government on both sides of the aisle. It's a bipartisan thing that they're like they're they're trying to figure out different ways to get uh, more and more of our money out of our wallet and into the public coffers. <laughs> That's correct. So a little story here. I was going by the, the front desk, and uh, uh, the assistant out there said, Hey, Kim, there's there's some mail here for you. And so I picked it up, and uh, there was this very thoughtful, important information. And it was it's from Glenn Slaybaugh, and he says, It's a, a call for honest property appraisals in Arapahoe County. And so I pulled it out, and I started to try to get my brain around it, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to call you. And uh, what you are talking about here is really, really interesting. So let's start at the beginning, Glenn. Uh, how did you first start to realize that there might be some some kind of funny stuff going on with property appraisals in Arapahoe County? Well, my wife and I bought our house in 1993, and... Uh, I had had cancer previously, and we didn't know if I was going to make it. So my whole concern was to, to find a house that uh, she could afford the mortgage payments on and that uh, uh, she would have absolutely 
no concerns having to do with paperwork and et cetera. So, so as I was looking at our paperwork, I noticed that the distribution of square feet for our house was incorrect. Okay, so this is with the assessor's office, right? Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. So I went down to the assessor's office and spoke with uh, a woman, one of the staff there, and I explained to her that the distribution of square feet for our house was incorrect. And she said, oh, is the total square feet correct? And I said, yes. And she says, well, that's all that matters because we don't use the distribution of square feet for anything. And I was kind of taken aback because property records are supposed to be sacrosanct. You don't change a property record unless you make a material change, such as a room addition. So I said to her, well, if you have to have numbers there, I'd feel more comfortable if they were the correct numbers. And she said, well, she said, we can't do anything about it until the next time we update the computer. Well, I realized I, the conversation was over, so I went home and I thought about it. And I realized that she was wrong, maybe unintentionally, but I knew I had to get a better answer. So about a month later, I went back to the assessor's office, and this time I got a different woman. And I explained to her that the distribution of square feet for our tri-level was incorrect. And she said, oh, but is the total square feet correct? And I said, yes. And she said, well, that's all that matters. We don't use the distribution of square feet for anything. And I said, well, since you have to have numbers there, uh, I'd feel more comfortable if they were the correct numbers. She said, well, we can't do anything until we update our computer, which will be some time from now. So I went home and I thought about it, thought about it, realized I needed to actually talk to a real assessor. So I went back down about a month later and I asked to see an assessor. And so they brought one out and I uh, told him that the distribution of square feet for our tri-level was incorrect. And he said, oh, he said, but is the total square feet correct? And I said, yes. And he said, well, that's all that matters. He says, we don't use the distribution of square feet for anything. And I said, for the, <laughs> for the third time, well, if you have to have numbers there, I'd feel better if they were the correct numbers. And he said, well, he says, I know, but we can't do anything until the next time we update the computer. And I said, when will that be? And he says, well, we don't know. It's, it'll be a while. Well, so I, I realized at that point that something wasn't quite right, but I didn't know exactly what. They wanted to keep the incorrect distribution of square feet. So, so Glenn, there was no, oh, my gosh, we're so sorry. We've got to get this corrected. You never got that feeling from anybody? No, never. Okay. And even when we, uh, uh, I, well, I'll back up a bit. We began, my wife and I, uh, to look at not only our property record, but the property records of other tri-levels that were just like ours. And what we discovered is that they all had been falsified. Uh, so you mean they've been changed? Right. After 
some time, some some years of looking at these these houses, we began to call what the assessor was doing architectural enhancement. And basically, what architectural enhancement is is a process whereby the assessor changes the house from what it is to what it isn't by changing the distribution of square feet or the interior dimensions. Uh, now, just a question there, Glenn. You've been assured on three different occasions uh, by people in the assessor's office that if the total square footage is correct, that's all that matters. But is that true? No. This We found out later that uh, what's really going on is that through the process of architectural enhancement, the assessor is creating fantasy houses that you don't live in, but which you're paying taxes on. For example, our tri-level was made into a two-story house. Garden-level tri-levels were made into ranch houses. And the purpose of doing this, one purpose is so that tri-levels could be compared to two-story houses and to ranch houses. Another purpose is the fact that by create by changing the distribution of square feet, they wanted to increase the size of the main living area. In tri levels have a smaller main living area than ranch houses and two story houses and bi levels. And the main living area of a house is the most valuable part of a house. So when the assessor assesses that part of a house, he wants it to be as large as possible so he can assess it for more. And this is what they were doing. They would take the upper level of a tri-level and add it to the main level, and they, that, would, that would turn a tri-level, a garden-level tri into a ranch house, and then they would take a two-story tri-level and turn it into a two-story house. So somebody is adjusting this distribution of of the property, of the square footage, right? I mean, somebody is adjusting this at the assessor's office. Right. Under Assessor Bozier, uh property records were falsified. Under Assessor Sackdell, property records were falsified. Under Assessor Scott, property records were falsified. Uh, and what you're saying is that they changed the actual distribution of your house. Initially, it was correct. Correct. Okay. Then it was changed. Yes. Then it was changed again. Yes. And it was changed one more time then, too, right? Uh, our house was changed twice. Other houses were changed three times. Okay. And uh, what's interesting is each assessor had a different change because each assessor was trying to make uh, tri-levels into uh, different types of houses. Uh, this, this, these houses we call fantasy houses because uh, you don't live in these houses. They don't represent uh, the house that you live in. The property records are incorrect because they've been falsified. <laughs> Boy, Glenn Slaybaugh, this is really astounding. Now, is it, I, I mean, this is, is it a lot of money 
between as they're doing this or is it that they do it here, they do it here, they do it here. People don't really notice, but it adds up. What's your comment on that, Glenn? Well, it adds up to a lot. Uh, This is one of the reasons why uh, if you think of Tabor. The Taxpayers' Bill of Rights. Right. That's a check and balance on uh, spending and uh, how high taxes can go. In Arapahoe County, there are no checks and balances. There are no watchdogs. Uh, They're free to be as corrupt as they want. Um, And this is one one, uh, example of corruption is the falsification of property records. The falsification of property records is basically a fraud on the public. A lot of people use property records for different purposes. For example, the VA, HUD, the FHA, uh, Fannie Mae, they make mortgages on houses. Uh, if, if they make a higher if they make a higher mortgage based on a lower value house, based on falsified information, you can see where this is lead. This can lead. The next time there's a housing down, these overvalued houses will be, uh, the taxpayers will have to pick up the tab for the losses, which could be staggering. Glenn, you know what? Let's go to break. This is really important information, interesting information. It's complicated. You've put a lot of thought into this. And uh, so let's go to break. When we come back, we will continue to talk with Glenn Slabaugh regarding uh, he's he's looking for honest property appraisals in Arapahoe County. But I, I, want to, I, I think we want to make sure that there's a honest property appraisals throughout our state. So this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back. Hey, and something that should be on your radar, Natalie Minton is sponsoring through Colorado Engaged a Taxpayers' Bill of Rights boot camp. It's a training. It'll be on August 3rd at the Lakewood Library, which is at 10200 West 20th Avenue. It'll be from 11 to 2 p.m. with a 1030 check-in time. Natalie is asking people for $20 to cover all the costs. It includes a booklet, refreshments, and a T-shirt for each participant. And you can sign up for this training at coloradoengaged.com. That's coloradoengaged.com. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. Friday, July 19th through Thursday, July 25th, features will include The Lion King, Toy Story 4, and Spider-Man Far From Home. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot 
hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Americhicks.com. Try to see it my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on? Welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. And having a really important conversation with concerned citizen, Glenn Slaybaugh. And really, this is eyes on, on the process. And over, it took you a while, over the years... You had been able to figure out that something might be going on that was a little odd, we might say to be very nice about it, regarding the distribution of the square footage of your tri-level house. And it was correct at one point in time. So somebody went in and adjusted it, and then somebody went in and adjusted it again. And one of the things that you mentioned was so that the number of the the square footage of the MLA, uh, which is, uh, let's see, the living, the main living, main living area, that that was bigger than it actually was. But why would they want to make that that square footage uh, larger? Why do they do that? The main living area of a house is the most valuable part of a house. The upper level of a house, uh, say, on a tri-level is not considered to be worth very much. The lower level is not considered to be worth very much. But if you can add the upper level uh, to the middle level, you've increased the, or to the main level, you've increased the main living area by quite a bit. And so they can assess you uh, for a lot more than if they just uh, assessed. For what that main living area was. Correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now, when we went to break, you had brought up a point that it's not just this, the fact that, in essence, uh, they may be able to take more in taxes than actually the property warrants because they don't have the correct distribution uh, of uh, the square footage. But the other thing that you mentioned is is there's all kinds of decisions that are made on those property records. And I agree with you. Property records are to be sacrosanct. And... Um, so you, people go out and get a mortgage. Uh, you, you have appraisals uh, where people you know, buy and sell property. And so there has to be an inherent honesty about what is really there. And, and this is something that's really concerned you, right, Glenn? Right. Well, how, how can anyone feel that their appraisal has been uh, conducted honestly when the very assessor who's doing the appraisal has falsified the records? Uh, when you think about it, they're committing a fraud on the homeowner. They're committing a fraud on any prospective home buyer. They're committing a fraud on everyone else who uses property records from uh, mortgage lenders to banks, uh, SNLs who uh, uh, lend. And you also have insurance companies who make decisions based on uh, housing interiors, et cetera. And so you have a lot of people, realtors use, use uh, property records. Uh, we found that many realtors in their uh, advertisements would have the wrong square feet because it was based on the county property record. Uh, 
and by wrong square feet, I mean the interior dimensions were wrong, and sometimes the total square feet would be wrong, but they would all follow what was on the property record of a particular house they were trying to sell. Uh, basically, you can't have a system whereby some houses, the property records, are falsified in order to raise their uh, appraisal because now they're going to have to pay higher property taxes based on the falsifications. Well, and so you have actually reached out to commissioners throughout this. You've you've provided me with three reports that you've done. Quickly, the the second one is the Pinocchio effect. What is that exactly? Uh, when they change the uh, distribution of square feet, one of the things they're shooting to do is to increase the size of the main living area, which, if you think of Pinocchio in... Every time he told a lie, his nose would grow. <laughs> so when they change the main living area of a house, they make it larger, and that's the Pinocchio effect. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Okay. Your third report, arch architectural enhancement. Tell me about that. Architectural enhancement um, is a process whereby the assessor changes the house from what it is to what it isn't. And he can do this in a number of ways. We've, we've discussed how they change the distribution of square feet to create fantasy houses. But another way they uh, use architectural enhancement is they give you features. They give your house features that it doesn't have. For example, they may give you an attached garage or they may give you a basement that you don't have. And they do all this, of course, for a variety of reasons, but the, but it all results in a higher appraisal. And a higher appraisal then means uh, a tax increase, if you will. Right. Which this is then a runaround Tabor. You mentioned you appreciate Tabor, which is the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. And my gosh, Glenn, we have seen all kinds of different ways that politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties have redefined words like instead of um, it being a tax it's a fee so they don't have to ask the people and Tabor, the taxpayers bill of rights is just really about good manners and the good manners are if you want to raise our taxes or if you want to incur debt um, that we have to pay off you just have to ask us and if you want to keep our tax refunds above a very generous formula of population plus inflation you just have to ask us but what we see here, this is this is sneaky, and very few people probably would go to the work to do this. Now, you, this took time. This took a lot of time for you to do this. It took a lot of time, first of all, to uncover it. And I found that as I start to uncover things like this, it starts with a little knot in my tummy that says, something isn't right here. And that's what started it, how it started with you, right, Glenn? Yes. Um, when you look at a property record, and it's your own property record, it's it's a little bit easier to, to try to figure out what's going on, but if you're a prospective home buyer, you can look at a property record and have no idea that anything's wrong. Mm -hmm. And this is this is this is the problem: is that uh, most people assume that the assessor, because he's a public official, is being honest. He's just a a, a good man doing a tough job. Well, 
what we've seen under the last three assessors is corrupt, nothing more than corruption. Uh, I don't know when it actually began. It could have be, begun before uh, uh, Assessor Bozier, but it's embedded. It's a culture of corruption that exists in the Arapahoe County uh, Assessor's Office. And that's one of the things that Tabor does is it, it's, it's a check and balance to the degree that you would have less corruption. Whenever you have absolutely no checks and balances, you have what's going on in Arapahoe County. There, you have a, basically an agency of government that is unchecked. They do what they want in any way they want. There are no watchdogs. There's no one that, that watches over what the Arapahoe County Assessor does. Okay, so as watchdogs, uh, first of all, we need to be taking care of our own, our own house, if you will. Right. So I would highly recommend that everyone, how do they find these property records so that they can see what this distribution of, of uh, square footage is? If you live in a tri-level, all you have to do is go to the uh, county uh, uh, website and look up your property. And it, it might say tri-level, for example. But to really understand how your house is being carried by the assessor, you have to examine the distribution of square feet. And if you find that, for example, you only have two levels, <laughs> then they've made you into a two-story house. If you find you only have one level, then they've made you into a ranch house. And that's what, what you're paying taxes on. You're not paying taxes on the tri-level that's stated on the parcel search record. Okay. So I think uh, what we would recommend for people mm-hmm. to do then, Glenn, is that they should check this out. They can go to their county records and check that out. If you find that your records have been are not correct, uh, email me at kim at com. That's kim at com because we want to know about that. And uh, we need to continue. To, I think you kind of hit on it. We as hardworking everyday people, we kind of assume there's this social contract with our elected officials that that they are working for us and that they are being honest about what they're doing. And um, but but was it uh, Reagan that said, but trust and verify. Right. And so that's what we need to do. And so you put an enormous amount of time and effort into this. How long did it take you to uncover this? Well, we've been watching the Arapahoe County Assessor's Office for about 25 years. And uh, we get, we've gotten information when we could. It's not easy to get information from the Assessor's Office. I do want to say one thing. Uh, P.K. Kaiser is the newly elected Assessor of Arapahoe County. Of course, he, he would, knows nothing about uh, what's been going on by the past Assessors. And uh, we're hopeful that he'll be able to change the culture of corruption that uh, infests. So will you be reaching out to him to try to get a correct... uh... We've already reached out to him, and uh, we're going to meet with him again at at a later date to uh, talk about some of these uh, 
issues that we were bringing up. Okay. Well, keep me in the loop on what's going on with this. And, and Glenn Slaybaugh, thank you for reaching out. I think it's important that people understand this. And this may actually help people have more money in their pocket. When people have more money in their pocket, they have more money to save, invest, take care of their families. And I think that's a really good idea. So thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for letting me. Absolutely. And today's quote is by Frederick Bastiat. He says, when plunder becomes a way of life for a group of men in a society, over the course of time, they create for themselves a legal system that authorizes it and a moral code that glorifies it. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you. And God bless America.